Greenberg. Uh, Vice.com asked people to submit their craziest ambient experiences. Now, in the wake of Roseanne Barr claiming, hey, I was on Ambien, you do crazy stuff on Ambien. Ambien, I've heard a lot a lot of sleepwalking stories. Here's our, here are some of the submissions to Vice.com. What is Ambien? Let's Yeah, what is it? What's the pharmacology? Let's actually get into this. And Portland says, I'd taken a normal dose and went to lay down. I woke up like normal, and my husband was missing his pubic hair. <laughs> How is this not your favorite story? Oh, dude, I got you spit take. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, dude, I, I was mid-sip. I know, dude. Oh. I saw you nice hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Randy Bellman. And the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 53 degrees now at DVE. A little bit like fall this morning. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, going to get nice today. Uh, So, we'll enjoy it until we get rain again, which (laughs) is definitely coming. That has to be in the forecast. Yeah. Uh, Donald Wuerl's name is being removed from North Catholic High School. The move follows that damning grand jury report detailing decades of abuse in the Catholic Church. It also mentioned Wuerl as someone who had allowed accused priests to be reassigned to different parishes while he served as the Bishop of Pittsburgh from 1988 till 2006. The Diocese of Pittsburgh confirmed yesterday that Cardinal, Cardinal Wuerl, who has continued to defend himself against the allegations, had asked to have his name stripped from Cardinal Whirl North Catholic High School. An article in the Post-Gazette claims the Pittsburgh Diocese has received claims of abuse from 50 other people since that grand jury report came out. Oh, and a Uniontown priest out of the pulpit admitted investigation into sexual abuse. Greensburg Diocese officials say Monsignor Michael Matuzak is the subject of credible claims from a woman who is a parishioner at St. Pius X Church in Mount Pleasant. Matuzak is on paid leave from his position as pastor at four churches in Uniontown. Yeah, I remember you showing me the other day that somebody had spray painted over his name at North Catholic. Mm -hmm. And that story went national. I saw that on CNN. I saw that on MSNBC. I saw it on Fox News. I mean, everybody covered that. I mean, that was was a big deal because at the time I was like, what? Okay, take his name off. Why is that significant? But it is. Yeah. Military and civil authorities in Hawaii are preparing for the expected arrival of Hurricane Lane. State police are most worried about residents who may ignore warnings of the high surf and try to get cool pictures at the beach as the hurricane comes in. Hurricane Lane is a Category 4 storm with sustained winds of 145 miles per hour. Residents are being urged to make sure they have emergency supplies that can last for two weeks and to stay away from that high surf. A suspected porch pirate who was caught on a home security camera stealing a package from a Florida home's doorstep was apparently so overcome with guilt that he returned to the house with the package and a written apology. Homeowners were stunned to open their door and find the package on the floor along with a handwritten note which read, I know no apologies could make up for what I did. I did not go to your house with the intentions to steal. I've never done anything like this in my life. I come from a good family and good morals, and it's eating me inside knowing what I did. I really hope and pray to God that you can find it in your heart to forgive me. He went on to explain that eh, he had a couple drinks with a friend, and they dared him to steal the package off the porch. couple pops. We've all been there. Uh, The homeowners may forgive him for what he's done, but police are looking for him and want him to turn himself in. I mean, did he return the item? 
Or yeah, did he just no. write the letter? No, he took the package okay. back. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, he took it all back. Listen, I apologize. Now, I'm not giving the item back, but I feel <laughs> bad about it. And you should know that I'm enjoying it at my house. The father of year-old twins and The Rock are the highest-paid actors in Hollywood. Forbes magazine's 2018 list of top male earners lists George Clooney at the top and Dwayne Johnson second. Clooney pulled in $239 million in pre-tax earnings from June 1st, 2017 through June 1st of this year. Forbes says that came from a hugely profitable business venture, endorsements, and a percentage of his Older movies, Johnson took home $124 million in pre-tax income. And according to Forbes, the 46-year-old Johnson helped his cash flow with a huge social media following that nearly doubled his earnings through promotion. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., third on the list, followed by Chris Hemsworth and Jackie Chan. I know. This is, Which is this, he's always the surprising And again, man. this is in the world. Because right. when I read that, I'm like, what? But it's yeah. worldwide highest paid actors. China he, has a lot of people in it. <laughs> and he's still pretty big there. Yeah. And has a lot of endorsements there, too. So finally, Ben Affleck is uh, going back to rehab to get treatment for alcohol addiction after an intervention by his ex-wife, Jennifer Gardner. Uh, TMZ says the actress went to Affleck's home in L.A. yesterday asking him to get help, and he agreed. She then reportedly drove him to a facility in Malibu. This will be the third time he has been in rehab. He just completed treatment for drug addiction last year. I know there was an uh, the tabloids reported this week mm-hmm. that he was hanging out with some Playboy playmate and got booze delivered to his house. So, yes, and that prompted Deflate. prompted Jennifer to uh, intervene. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be a nightmare. I didn't realize they were still together. I thought I, she left not, after the last time. They're not. But, I mean, I don't, have, I don't know if they're they have still... They kids together, Yeah, right? I don't know if they're still technically married or I'm not sure what the deal is, but... Because didn't he cheated on her on Brady's private plane or something, right? Like, or yeah, no, wasn't there I mean, a story about yeah, that? Yeah, he was with Brady and... And there were some... Ladies uh, some, on the plane. Some model friends of Giselle. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they do have kids together, so I guess she wants to keep him clean and sober. S- sober, yeah. Nobody wants to see somebody throw their life away. Clouds and uh, sun today, though. Pretty pleasant day. Mid-70s for the high. It's 53 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Mike Pursuta coming in at the bottom of the hour. Randy has the day off. We're going to be joined this morning by Mary Withrow, uh, a big fundraiser this weekend for PART, which if you don't know what that is, it's a Pittsburgh Aviation Animal Rescue Team. They take private planes and fly to places all over the country and rescue dogs and bring them back here to be adopted sometimes they take them to other shelters around the country so awesome yeah so uh fundraiser for them we'll hear all about that jerry dulac gonna join us at 7 45 and at 8 45 jeremy fowler from espn.com first time he was on the show was at sealers training camp yeah love him so yeah he's great great. uh we're gonna have him back on this morning as well it's the dve morning show remember remember (laughs) we had the james bond debate that was the best. Oh, on yeah. The air. Oh, yeah. He's probably right. talking back He's right texting now. He's you. yelling at the radio. He's yelling at the computer, which he thinks guy? is the radio yeah. right now. <laughs> Connery? Connery. Yeah. And I said, me and my son have decided Daniel Craig, so. All right. Well, hopefully one day you'll be able to be Bond. Yeah, that's it. About 190 pounds, and I'll be Bond. 
I always would like to bend the guy. Bond. You know, yeah. Thunderbush, <laughs> that giant head. I got a new. I, I always wanted to be the bull, the the uh, weapons guy. That would have been oh, Q. Q to be Q. And I'll tell you who I love the most is Q. To be honest, is John Cleese. Remember for Cleese sure. did it for Pierce Bronson. Yeah. Cleese was Q. Yeah. Oh, 007. Cleese is the best. <laughs> I always liked him. So. Well, maybe you and Joey O'Connell can... Me and O'Connell. Bond and Q. Hey, Bill. <laughs> I got a watch here that'll cut through a fence. It's got a laser in it. This looks like a travel tressimate. Look, it ain't, it, look it's, it's a, a steeler watch, and when the ball hits two, that's, uh, that means it's going to blow up. This watch will cut through a fence. We can go swimming at Sandcastle after it closes. You know what we should do? You know how we did, we did the Pittsburgh Theater like we did the, the Yinzer Mall James Bond. We should do me and O'Connell as Bond and Q. Double O, my God. <laughs> What's your name? Bond. What's he galore? Jimmy Bond. <laughs> I know your brother. Yeah. <laughs> the Greenfield Bonds. Oh, yeah. I know your aunt. <laughs> they never get done at committing any crimes. They just talk about all the people they had no in common. Big Jim. Can we get you a drink? Yeah, I'll take an imp and an iron. <laughs> DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit for DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. The Pirates keep finding ways to lose, and they did so in a most creative fashion last night at PNC Park. Two to one, the Braves beat the Bucks and complete a sweep in which uh, the offense was once again almost non-existent for the Pirates. And the way this game was decided uh, almost defies description. One-one going into the top of the eighth, and Kyle Crick comes on and, for a rare occasion, has nothing. He gives up a single, and then walks a couple. So it's bases loaded, nobody out. Clint Hurdle turns to Edgar Santana, who induces. A ground ball to first baseman Josh Bell. They've got a chance to turn the uh, home-to-first double play and get a couple outs while preventing a run from scoring. But Bell one-hops the throw to Francisco Cervelli, and it's all Cervelli can do to just get the force out at home. They did get one out on the play, but instead of two outs, it's one. Freddie Freeman up next, sack fly, 2-1 Braves. Then in the uh, bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes on Gregory Polanco, and he hits a drive to right that just hits the top of the Clemente wall. Another foot, foot and a half. It's out of there. The game's tied. Maybe they're still playing. Who knows? But uh, it didn't go out. Polanco had to settle for a double. And then Francisco Cervelli hit a ground out to end the game. Pirates fall to 63-65. and 65. Both teams got three hits last night, Bill. It's tough, man. It's it's tough to watch, but I'm st- I, I I'd rather see them lose these kinds of games now with the the the, the pieces they have in place because I'm sort of looking at next year. Yeah, I think that's the way to look at it. I I agree with you a thousand percent. They're ten and a half out in the division, seven and a half out in the wild card. So it's uh, it's a long shot. All but over in terms of the postseason this year, but they keep getting this kind of starting pitching. And Trevor Williams last night, six innings, two hits, one run. He gave up a. Lead off the game home run to Ronald Asuna, and uh, that was basically it. They're just throwing starters out there that are very good every night. And they're he's both... been the surprise of the season for me on that rotation. Williams, yeah, did he had a, 
unproven coming in. He did have a pretty good second half last year, right? But but uh, to do it all year, yeah. And yeah, you know, I think you got another good point there. I mean, you look at uh, Jamison Tyone. I think a lot of people were looking at him to be a guy to take the next step. Von Nova's pretty much been what he's been since he came to the Pirates. Uh, now you have Archer. Um, they'll take a day off, regroup, and uh, head to Milwaukee. Bucks have lost three in a row, and uh, just an historic homestand in terms of the lack of offense. Uh, I'm talking, you know, this hasn't happened in a hundred plus years that you play seven wow. seven games and get seven runs. It's just. Baseball's hard to explain, but uh, they got to find a way to fight out of it. Steelers getting ready to play the Titans on Saturday. It's the uh, home opener for the exhibition season, and uh, they are working diligently to get ready for that. That includes uh, post-practice walkthroughs by the offense. Here's new offensive coordinator Randy Fickner explaining why they're doing that stuff. Well, we always go through a walkthrough period after each practice. Uh, before our afternoon meetings. Uh, it's just a rehearsal of certain situational football. Today happened to be emphasize red, em- emphasize uh, some third downs, things like that. So for us, it gives you one more shot before you actually um, uh, go up and watch it on tape to correct anything from today's practice and or uh, get a rep of something that won't show up until tomorrow's practice. Yeah, that's Randy Feigner living up to uh, his reputation as a detail guy. Ben Roethlisberger has said couple of times boy he really puts the work in he's really prepared he's no stone unturned uh, other players have uh, echoed that and uh Finkner doesn't think there's any other way to do it but to be a detail guy well i mean i appreciate them saying that but i i, I would like to think that that's that's what we're all trying to do and and and, and that they're trying to do but we're going to push the envelope towards uh small details because uh we've got good football players we've got guys that have played the game uh, we got to uh, bring some young guys along as every year because your team's always a little bit different. Um, but it's going to be in those fine details. It's going to be in the execution of, of concept things that's going to allow you to be better. Um, and then when you feel comfortable uh, with what to do, how to do it, uh, you've repped it, then, then the chances are um, greater that you're going to have more success when you add that with the athleticism and the, and the talent that they have. We're going to hear a lot from uh, Randy Feigner today. thought today would be a good day to sort of introduce everybody to the new offensive coordinator. And uh, you hear that uh, kind of Midwestern style to his conversation. He uh, likes to expand on just about everything. Salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah, that doesn't uh, drop the F-bomb. Uh, talked to Randy yesterday afternoon, then I went home and watched Hard Knocks and uh, saw some more of Coach Haley's act in Cleveland and... Hey, I like Todd Haley, too. Uh, they're different guys. Well, this is going to be the week of the Steelers' offensive uh, coordinators. Or or actually, it's going to be week one. Sorry about that. Bruce Arians is uh, announcing the game. Todd Haley, Randy Feekner on display. Ben's going to be the center of attention. Yeah, well, he's probably going to be most games. Even if B.A.'s not there. I love the article that I, I read in the PG about the Steelers running more no huddle and Ben talking about having Feekner in his ear, just giving him those little details. Like, hey, uh, here's your tendencies on this down. Here's their tendencies on this down. Those kinds of things that Ben said, it's hard for him to keep in his head as he, as the heat of the game is uh, 
is going on. Yeah, and that's kind of it, – it's always a battle if you're an offensive coordinator or an offense in general between tendencies and reacting to what the defense is going to do and doing what you want to do. You know, you don't want them mm-hmm. to dictate to you necessarily – who you can or cannot throw to or whether you have to run the ball or pass the ball based on personnel. But you also can't try to jam a square peg into a round hole and just be stubborn. So right. it's, uh, it's a fine line, and everybody tries to straddle it. And uh, the scoreboard usually tells you who did the best job mm-hmm. of that. Uh, Ohio State announced uh, last night that head football coach Urban Meyer has been suspended for the first three games of the season. This in the wake of a two-week investigation that found Meyer mishandled domestic assault allegations made against one of his former assistants, Zach Smith, and that Meyer misrepresented what he knew about the situation at uh, the Big Ten Media Days in July. Misrepresented is a nice way of saying he lied about it. He lied. I'm Uh, shocked that he still has a job. I'm a little surprised. Uh, Ohio State also suspended athletic director Gene Smith without pay for more than two weeks. A statement released by the university said, quote, Although neither Urban Meyer nor Gene Smith condoned or covered up the alleged domestic abuse by Zach Smith, they failed to take sufficient management action relating to Zach Smith's misconduct and retained an assistant coach who was not performing as an appropriate role model for OSU student-athletes. And this is the way it is. So Urban Meyer is uh, an incredibly successful coach. He was at Florida. He is at Ohio State. Yeah, but his whole thing is preaching uh, ownership and responsibility and leadership. Yeah. And when you do something like that, house of cards, man. And yet if you're an Ohio State guy, you're probably okay with this. because Oh, you're fine with it. In a couple of weeks, they're going to start beating everybody's ass again and nobody's going <laughs> right. to care. Bless you. Bless you. Taking that moral high road's nice, but the national championship's better. Right? Definitely. The road to glory doesn't matter if it's high or low. I'm not going to throw rocks at this guy because if he was my guy, I'd probably be thinking they should have done what Ohio State did. It's a little sad, isn't it? Yeah. You know. It's not too sad. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to end on a nice down somber. Oh, well, that's good. You succeeded. Uh, <laughs> coming up at the top of the sh- uh, the hour, guys, half shirts are coming back. Not for me. <laughs> we'll talk about it coming up at the top of the hour. And when we return, we're going to be joined by Mary Withrow of Part. That's the Pittsburgh Aviation Animal Rescue Team. They have a big fundraiser coming up on Saturday. So we'll get information about the organization and about the event on Saturday. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Randy is uh, on vacation, but we're joined now by Mary Withrow of Part, which is Pittsburgh Aviation Animal Rescue Team. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, glad morning. to have you. Now, you guys have a big fundraiser coming up this Saturday, and I know you've done this. How many, how many years have you done this event? This is the fifth annual. Oh, great. So tell our listeners a little bit about it. It's a it's a great party. Um, this year, we're going to do it a little bit different. We're having it in one of the hangars at the Allegheny County Airport. Okay. So it'll be nice. a huge space. Um, and then we'll have a lot of exterior space, too, where we'll have some airplanes and some high-performing vehicles and hopefully a 
a clone of our new airplane. Oh, nice. It should be coming to the United mm-hmm. States today. Wow. So, yeah, pretty Whoa. exciting. So, how many how many units do you guys have? Now, I know you do the air rescues, but you also do land rescues, too. We do. We have what we call land planes. Okay. So, we have an airplane and, a, and two land planes right now. Can so it, describe yeah, exactly what it is you do when you're making these rescues. Like, why why do you need planes? Why do you need these high-performance vehicles? Um, well, we go we travel about as far as the Mississippi and, you know, the eastern United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we did our first international mission last year to Tortola during Hurricane Maria. Uh, we did a lot of hurricane work last year. So we, there's a lot of shelters around the country. Most of them are in the south that are underfunded and overpopulated. And up here in the north and the northeast, we have a problem of not having enough dogs. So we get contacted all the time from people who are in need of dogs. And the perfect, the beauty of it is there's places in the south where they're still euthanizing animals. Mm-hmm. So we've identified those places. We go get animals and bring them to places up here where they can have a chance at a a good, happy life. Yeah, because I think that's a question a lot of people have. Well, aren't there enough dogs here? But really, they don't have the support. There aren't. Right, and those southern rural shelters just don't have the support. They don't. It's unbelievable. I mean, some of those places, you think you're in another country. I mean, it's unbelievable. They need so much help. And are any of these rescues contested? Like, are are you rescuing them from hostile situations, or is it mainly just overpopulation or, like you were saying before, some kind of natural disaster? Sometimes it's cruelty cases where, you know, we're asked to get involved, mostly to move the dogs from, you know, the situation that they're in to another place to, you know, like we always say, from danger to safety. And Mm -hmm. that includes, you know, natural disasters, overpopulation, and cruelty. Mm Mm-hmm. And you guys, of course, I'm sure, are looking for volunteers. We always need volunteers, volunteer <laughs> pilots, volunteer drivers, I and mean, volunteers of all kinds. Do you need your own plane? We do. If you're a pilot? Like if, <laughs> yeah, if somebody, no, if you use listening. our plane. Oh, okay, great. great. But if you have one and you want to use it, yeah, we'll take you. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody who's uh, out there in a pilot and has their own plane and <laughs> yeah, want to save some call dogs? me. BYOP. Right. Yeah, BYOP. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Saturday, uh, the event, how can people get tickets? They can get tickets at www.nodogleftbehind.org. Or they can show up at the door. We'll have tickets at the door. We have tons of space. So we're getting over 500 people right now. So get your tickets so you can get something to eat. Um, But we're going to have lots of food, lots of drink, um, and lots of good music and tons of good auction items. So... And if you can't make it, take a look at the auction items online. Oh, people can, can do that too? Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah, at nodogleftbehind.org. Cool. .org. And yes. there, you guys have videos on there that explains a little bit more about what you do. And yes. you can watch some some pretty emotional videos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So definitely a, a great event for you to check out. And you get to eat good food and you hang do. out and have fun. And you're going to have, will you have uh, dogs there? There will be adoptable puppies there, so you can fill out an application if you're interested in one and get to kiss one and you know, smell that puppy breath. Puppy but, and puppy bellies are the greatest. Puppy bellies are the cutest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, Mary, thanks so much for coming in this morning. Thanks and, for uh, having me. Yeah, come back anytime. Pittsburgh okay. Aviation Animal Rescue Team. Get tickets for that event at nodogleftbehind.org, and we'll also put a link on our website at dbe.com. 
Thanks so much, Mary. Thank you. It's the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> Billy Joel did a uh, an interview with the Entertainment Weekly, and he talked about going to Woodstock. He didn't play there, but he attended. He was in attendance. Yes. I went to Woodstock. I didn't play there, but I went up on a motorcycle, which was a good move because the highway was just a parking lot. I wanted to see Hendrix and The Who, but after a day and a half with no real toilet facilities, what am I, a bear? I have to go in the woods? <laughs> Think old man Yasgur will let me use his uh, commode? Hey, I got to hit the head. <laughs> what? Oh, hey. Just doing all the New Yorkisms up there. You know, everyone else is <laughs> peace, love, and understanding. He's acting like he's walking through traffic, hitting the hood of a car. I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to take a dump. Randy Bellman <laughs> and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after seven at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 53 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The T will be running through Station Square again starting today. The Port Authority is reopening the outbound tracks from that uh, stop while the former Allentown line tracks will be used for some final testing before reopening this weekend. The line closed after that freight train derailed and damaged the T tracks earlier this month. President Trump is going on the record after his former attorney general, uh, his former attorney rather, pled guilty to several fraud charges. Cohen, uh, Michael Cohen also pleaded guilty to federal election law violations and implicated Trump testifying under oath that a quote unquote candidate had directed him to pay off two women to help influence the election. Fox News asked the president if he knew about those payments. He had a massive campaign violation but he had a different attorney general and they viewed it a lot different okay that's That's him talking that's him talking about president obama here he is talking about michael cohen he had a massive campaign violation that's all he does he just talks about obama but and they weren't taken out of here we go this is him talking about michael cohen i knew later on but and they weren't taken out of campaign finance that's a big thing that's a much bigger thing did they come out of the campaign they didn't come out of the campaign he borrowed it from Barack Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> New York State investigators also want to talk to Michael Cohen as part of their probe into the president's nonprofit Trump Foundation. New York State Attorney General Barbara Underwood filed a lawsuit back in June against the president and his family for allegedly using money from that charity for personal use. Yesterday, Trump tweeted something that I legit laughed out loud at. He said, if anyone is looking for a good lawyer, I would strongly suggest that you don't retain the services of Michael Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's just hilarious. Oh, my. Like, this guy is in the middle of basically now a criminal investigation where his lawyer, his fixer, just implicated him. He's like, "Ah." And, by the way, he's the president of the United States. That lawyer sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> leading yeah, our country. Yeah, sure, I knew. I knew later on. Uh, Let's talk about Hillary. <laughs> and the national anthem, by the way. Oh. Uh, another the classics. You know, bring out the hits. Look over here! <laughs> Uh, Another horrible story this morning, bestiality charges being filed against a trio of men. Here in Pennsylvania, uh, not too far away in Clearfield County, prosecutors say the men sexually attacked a number of animals over a period of time, including dogs. 
horses, a goat, and a cow. A teenager living with the men on the makeshift farm reported those crimes, and the three were taken into custody. More than a 1,000 criminal charges are in the works, and court appearances are scheduled for next week. The SPCA is uh, helping those animals that are involved. On a much lighter note, the fashion company ASOS is now selling crop tops for men. The old half shirt making a comeback. (laughs) No. Please, no. Now, they are marketing these as high-end fashion, (laughs) but they're not for every guy. But I would guess if you're wearing high-end fashion, you're probably not. You don't have. You're not every guy. That that's the type of thing. Like where I hear a piece of fashion is is coming into vogue, and I say, that's not going to hit us. That's going to (laughs) be that's going to be a complete miss on Pittsburgh. Yeah, if you're if you're wearing high end fashion, you probably have a body for a half shirt. I can't rock the half shirt for two reasons. One, I've got a dad bod, (laughs) and I've got a belly, and two, I've got an umbilical hernia. <laughs> so that's does just it poke gross. out? Yeah, it does. Does it? Yeah. How you, do you not see it through your shirt though? Um, because I I'm you strategically sucking in the whole day. It's like when someone's yeah. pregnant on a TV show. They yeah. strategically put them behind a bar or something. I'm wearing so a bustier. Val. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I'm wearing a thunder shirt underneath <laughs> every shirt that I have on. Uh so if if you. Don't have a dad bod and you want to give it a shot. Uh, fit guys, you can show off your abs and uh, do it in high fashion. Now, I've seen a lot of Pittsburgh guys with shirts that show their belly, but they're not half shirts. It's unintentional. Yeah. It's just like either the shirt shrunk right. or they grew right. since or, they or bought maybe, it. Like, let's be optimistic about it. Maybe they bought a new gym shirt, but it was for their goal weight. That could be also. That's (laughs) a very positive way to look at it. This is my dream. I'm not there yet. I think that's because I am the most unathletic person on earth. So when at God, I the, want to see you do something athletic now. I, we oh got to no. go to the basketball court or something. No. Batting I, cages. I do have a good golf swing, but hey. I can't hit the ball. Well, that's, that's important. I'm that's okay at bowling, but I'm not sure either one of those are really athletic well, we're going to have Jerry sports. Dulac on later. I'm sure he'll tell you that golf is, is very athletic. Okay. Well, we'll ask him. If you can play. I, I well, forget. But, I mean, you have to be able to hit the ball. I mean, are, yeah, are, no. I have no, you're just doing phantom swings? I have no control over the distance or direction. Let's go to that new place. Isn't there like a top golf or something around here? Yeah, just opened. In Bridgeville or yep. something? Mm-hmm. Let's go. All right. I don't and know try where to I hit, was going And with try that. to hit a ball. No, you said you're not athletic. Do you oh, wear athletic wear? No. Uh, well, around the house. No, it was headed in. When when I used to try to run, <laughs> I look like I have cement shoes on. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so unathletic. Yeah. So when I see people out running who maybe are not in the greatest shape, I think, look, good for that person. They're probably just starting. I want to clap for them. They're making strides. Yeah. I want to cheer them on, but then I don't know if they'll think that that's a backhanded compliment. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you can do this because they look like they're in a lot of pain. That's exactly how I look. (laughs) Yeah. That's how most people look when they're running. Like, oh, God, why am I doing this? I'm too far from my house. I got to turn around. (laughs) When I did the... um, 
the relay for the Pittsburgh Marathon. Yeah. I mean, it was three or four miles, something like that. I don't know. That's a, that's a decent and I, distance. I almost got teary-eyed, people cheering. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it was just for you? I was like... <laughs> They're so supportive. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about doing the half marathon or any run. Like this weekend is the run around the square, which is my old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's basically through Regent Square and then you go through Frick Park and, and, and a ton of people are out cheering and playing music along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's like... You feel like Very you're festive. doing something, and then at the finish line, there's like hot dogs and beers, yeah. and, and you can do anything you want because you ran three miles Yes, at those, 8 o'clock in the morning. Those people cheering when I ran by were probably thinking the same thing. Oh, look at oh that. My God. Good for She's her. She's trying. She just Maybe she Does she have learning. two drop feet? Because I've seen somebody with a drop foot, but I've never seen somebody with two drop feet. How's she doing this? Uh, I got a uh, couple job opportunities for anyone looking. Uh, restaurant Asher chain. model. Asher model. Restaurant <laughs> chain in England and Bombay Sapphire have gotten together to offer one lucky person the job of a lifetime for someone. Maybe not everybody wants this job, but you'll travel the world and drink gin. Uh, the job sounds nice. is inspired by the book Around the World in 80 Days, which means the person they hire, along with a friend, will go to Hong Kong, Paris, New York City, San Francisco, Bombay, and other cities on a journey similar to the one in the novel. Candidates, of course, must be 21 years of age and have a valid passport. You should also be good at photography and social media and be a lover of the unknown. Goes without Ooh. saying, too, that yeah, you're going to be expected to oh. drink some gin. Hey, I was reading... Um that book eat pray love mm. and i was why i don't know i'm not very because i think why? i think i'm going through menopause <laughs> i'm not sure wait a minute you're currently reading it yeah <laughs> <laughs> because the author gave this ted talk did someone dare you to read no, it no okay the, the author the woman who wrote that gave a ted talk and it was really interesting it was all about writing mm-hmm. and she was talking she wrote this other book called big magic that i that i read because i'm it's it's all about the creative process mm-hmm. and she's a great writer and so i thought wow this woman has really inspired me about writing i should probably read like her greatest book sure so i'm reading it's it's obviously really well written it was a huge smash hit Mm -hmm. but she said that people approach her now about that book where she's traveling the world and yes and eating all this exotic food and just you know finding praying loving just doing all that stuff yes and she said that people approach her like they're scared for her like what are you gonna do now (laughs) and that's what i'd be worried about if i traveled the world and drank everywhere like in paris and hong kong and and what what what? adventure is left ocean city's not going to be the same after that (laughs) right like oh you want to go to rehoboth kids okay let's get some saltwater taffy no this is fun (laughs) this is fun i drank in hong kong last year with my friend but this is nice well bill since you like to read Maybe this is a good one for you. You can live on a tropical island and uh, work at a luxury resort in the Maldives. They're hiring someone to sell beach reads to guests. Uh So your love of books could earn you a job working at a pop-up bookstore inside this luxury resort named uh, (laughs) Saneva Fushi. Uh, You won't just be recommending books. The job also involves teaching creative writing classes. Hey reading stories to kids and writing a blog about your experience all on a tropical island. (laughs) 
Uh, that sounds nice. If you want to apply, you can send an email to pb at ultimatelibrary.co.uk. Um, what is a beach read? Like, is that just like a, a book a novel, that's sort of I like think. mindless? I think so. I've that's never read a book at the beach. Me either. I can't. I'm at the beach. Right. It's too bright. How do you read? I always think like you have to be sitting on a dune and you have to be in one of those Cabanas? Adirondack chairs. Oh, or, yeah. You know, and you, you've got to have like a hat on and, and probably be the most pale person <laughs> on the beach. So you've had a you got a lot of shade. There's a there's an umbrella there somehow. They have never been able to read at the beach. I just thought of something else that was really incriminating that that's tainting my view of more so at than the Eat Pray Love. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the movie Beaches. <laughs> she's reading at the beach, and she's it's the almost the exact scenario that I have in my head. Val, I've got some soul searching to do. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogg is releasing a cookbook. It's called From Crook to Cook. It'll include 50 of his favorite recipes. The book will also feature his own gin and juice recipe. Maybe uh, he could yeah. get that maybe he could get that job with Sapphire uh, Bombay Sapphire. Yeah, he he can make it in a toilet though, which is <laughs> unique. It'll be out October 23rd. Snoop Dogg <laughs> is uh maybe you haven't seen it or you have the co-host of the cooking show Martha and Snoop's potluck dinner party on VH1 <laughs> and that would be uh why can't I think of her name? What? M- Martha Stewart. Yeah. All I could think of was Martha Reeves and Martha Davis. <laughs> like, now, I can't believe the two of those uh, are friends. I can't. I can't believe the two of them are close. Yeah. But they've also both been to jail, so that they have true. that in common. And um, they've both kind of met in the middle, like where she's gotten kind of more criminal, he's gotten less criminal, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and now they're together cooking. Finally, Aerosmith lead singer Steven Tyler is uh, again telling President Trump to stop using an Aerosmith song at his political rallies. Trump's team played Aerosmith's Living on the Edge at a rally last week, uh, this week in Charleston, uh, West Virginia. Tyler earlier had sent a cease and desist letter to then-candidate Trump when he was using another Aerosmith song, Dream On, at rallies. Tyler's letter states that fans of the group have been asking on social media if he endorses President Trump by allowing him to use the song. Tyler co-wrote the song and is taking this legal step independent from the band. Other band members, Joe Perry, uh, including Joe Perry, are Republicans who have said they do support President Trump. Sun today, a couple of clouds, mid-70s for the high. It's 53 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Jerry Dulac joining us at 745 this morning and Jeremy Fowler from ESPN.com at 845 this morning as well as we get ready for the Steelers. Uh, game three of the preseason and uh, the first one at home this Saturday against the Titans. It's the D. If you go to the stores, you can only get 10 milligrams. Everything's 10 milligrams because they made it legal. Even with a prescription, it's yeah, 10 milligrams. Right. They used to have these great Kiva bars that were like 45, and you could just take that and snap it in four pieces and go, okay, that's cool. Well, and that's what happens. People didn't realize you were supposed to snap the bricks off those ba- all those candy bars. Well, the great thing is, like, now at least the, the, the it's always been a delivery system. Like, you know, you know, before, you know, you would eat a brownie, and you get that piece where all the butter gathered in the corner, and you just have to eat that. And now you're on the airplane, you're having a meltdown in reactor number three, and you're like, okay, okay, and you just got to put your sunglasses on and put your 
your earbuds in. Let's listen to your music. It'll all be good by the time you land. Yeah. You know? Well, that's. I know a lot of people who've had major freakouts at the Denver airport because they everything they bought in Colorado before they're flying back home to where it's not legal so they can't transport it. And they're like, I, I bought all this. I don't want to waste it. So they eat, you know, as much as they can of what they still had left because you don't want to throw away good weed and then lose your mind in the Denver airport yeah, waiting for your plane. Look, they're not looking for that at the airport. They're not looking for that. They're looking, you no. know what I mean? They're not even. Doug looking. Benson told me that. I could, I could not believe who Doug Benson. Yeah, he's like, dude, they don't care at all. They don't. They're not looking for that. I mean, that's why you know. I, I mean, I know people that travel with it all the time. And what you do is you take it out of those wrappers and you put it in your little bag. Like I have the cookies. Well, if they're not looking for it, why do you got to take it out of the wrapper? Well, well, just because, just in case they do stumble across <laughs> it, they see it, and you, I put them in a sandwich bag, and I, I put like, here, daddy, like, <laughs> I, I got, my daughter, my daughter packed me some cookies for my trip. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, that's cute. Throw them back in the bag. Here, daddy. <laughs> why would you do it? Go all that work if they're not looking for it. But just because, just in case. You here, know, there's daddy. a couple cookies. Uh, oh, isn't she daddy, cute? Daddy, you know, my isn't she cute? Here, why don't you have yeah. one? Exactly. <laughs> TSA guy, have one of Good. my daughter's cookies. You eat the cannoli. <laughs> How was I supposed to know my daughter's making weed cookies? <laughs> oh, yeah. I took she, her to Williamson for a bacon crock. I didn't know. I thought she was making regular cookies. I didn't know my daughter's dinner making weed cookies in her Betty crock. <laughs> Schubert. Uh, our pal Jimmy Schubert who was in town last week for a couple of shows. Isn't it fun when he gets himself into a lather? Oh, yeah. He gets real worked up. <laughs> <laughs> so good seeing him. Hopefully oh, he'll yeah. uh, come back for a visit soon. Mike Pursuit is coming up next. Pirates just not. There was such hope for a while. Bucko bats have gone silent. Uh, and now it's all gone. Mike Pursuit has got sports <laughs> detailing last night's loss. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Mike, um, Pirates, they had such promise at one time. We were feeling it, and now we're not feeling it. We're feeling something else now. Fell off a cliff and died on impact. Good job using the past tense, sir. <laughs> and uh, it didn't necessarily have to be this way, but that's the way it worked out. Sports is our brought to you by Citizens Bank. The Pirates lost another nail-biter pitcher's duel last night to Atlanta, 2-1. to one. They played uh, seven games, and he just completed homestand against the Cubs and Braves. They scored seven runs. They went two and five. Tell me if you agree with this assessment. Like me as a fan sitting back watching these games, I have a ton of hope when you're getting the pitching that the Pirates are getting. If the bats are silent, you think all they got to do is, is start getting some hits, start generating some runs. Conversely, if the pitching is terrible, I have no hope. I'm like, this team, there's... Where is there to go for this team? There's no hope. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, pitching is what's sustainable. Pitching is what wins. If you're going to be a really good team, you have to have really good pitching. Uh, you can get by for stretches of a season playing softball games. Pirates did that early in the year when they got off to that yep. hot start. There, there are times this year when they were scoring a ton of runs. Now uh, they can't even get on base. Everybody has gone cold at the same time. But they're starting pitching. And for the most part, their bullpen, even though Kyle Crick had just an awful outing last night, uh, they look like they've got the pitching part of it figured out. Now they just got to find a way to generate a little more offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe next year they can be 
uh, a little more of a legitimate contender than they were this year. Uh, the Braves only got three hits last night, as the Pirates did. One of theirs left the yard. That was a lead-off-the-game home run by Ronald Asuna. And uh, Gregory Polanco tried to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth, and he hit one off the top of the Clemente wall. It just missed going out. He had to settle for a double. And uh, so ended another Pirates game, the likes of which we have seen repeatedly now over the last week. And uh, they got to find an answer, and the only answer that they can find is to just keep working at it and see if it changes in Milwaukee. They're off today. Then they start a series with the Brewers this weekend. Uh, the 2-5 and five homestand uh, has pretty much scuttled things in terms of their postseason aspirations. Ten and a half behind the Cubs in the NL Central and seven and a half out of the second National League wildcard spot. But yeah, I, if people can see a bigger picture, the pitching is really encouraging. That's what, to me, gives me all the promise for next year's season. Trevor Williams has been doing it all year. Jamison Tyone looks like the guy uh, you want him to be. Joe Musgrave, Musgrove excuse me, mm-hmm. looks like the guy you thought he could be. And Chris Archer is a guy that you should still be excited that they went out and got, even though no he, doubt. Has, he hasn't exactly announced his presence with authority. But uh, Well, as long as he stops swinging for the moon. Yeah, that was a little... What's the word I'm looking for? Ill-advised, let's say. Yeah. Stupid would be another one, but let's <laughs> let's say ill-advised. Cause... Well, yesterday, I, I think I characterized it as swing like an idiot. Yeah. Which is not uh, eloquent. But at least he wasn't a DH. At least we got to see a pitcher hurt himself swinging, because National League Baseball's great. <laughs> there have been, been a few people that are raging against the potential DH machine coming to the National League, and I've heard enough of it. Val so. couldn't hear your point because she was too busy being upset that you're pounding on the <laughs> table. Yeah, stop doing that, too. Steelers that's get, it? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. okay. I was going to say, that's a quick sports report. Steelers, that's that's the... Uh, Not much to say. Notes portion of my sports oh, okay. Now I'm just going to let it rip. Uh, Steelers playing Tennessee on Saturday at Heinz mm-hmm. Field. Uh, they're uh, going through their details and uh, working on things uh, not quite as if it were a regular season game, but uh, there is a heightened sense of uh, urgency in terms of the preparation. And uh, why wouldn't there be, from the perspective of coordinator, offensive coordinator Randy Feigner, he's going to be the Steelers' offensive coordinator for the first time this season, so he needs all the preseason work he can get doing his thing. Part of that at some point, Feekner acknowledges we'll be dialing up that winning play at the winning time, but uh, that's just a part of the deal. You know, obviously you bear that responsibility, for better or for worse, um, and willing to take that responsibility and, and own it. Uh, but I think that most importantly, um, to prepare and to put our players in the best position to have success and, and to be able to have been prepared for those type of moments that are going to come up. Now, obviously, first year for me, um, you know, I know that they got my back, and I know that I've got theirs. And there's going to be, and we have already in two weeks in communication, uh, not completely uh, settled everything to 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 perfection. Um, but we're we're going to keep working towards that, and and so that when those moments do come that we're prepared for it. There's no anxiety. And here's the anticipation and the the anticipated result of that call and or play. 
Now, there are going to be uh, times when he'll have to do that. There will be times when he'll have to take uh, what the defense is giving, or Ben Roethlisberger will have to do that if they're in the no huddle. You can't you can't be stubborn or stupid about it. you got to take what's there sometimes. There are also times when you got to put your foot down and say this is the moment when Ben Roethlisberger throws to Antonio Brown and a play's going to get made regardless of the coverage. But uh, you can't uh, go down that road too often, at least not in uh, Randy Feekner's estimation. That's fine and dandy, but they have ways to take that away. Um, you can be very committed defensively. Um, you have to have an offense that's flexible enough to take advantage of the, the, the style of play that they're going to will, be willing to play that week. We see differences. We see different type of things every week. Uh, when you line up with uh, El Bell in the backfield, you line up with um, Antonio out at wide receiver. Uh, there's things that you might come to start to expect that you're going to get um, that might not even be on their tape, might not be their personality defensively. Uh, so, again, I think collectively uh, you've got to be able to adjust, um, adapt in-game, and hopefully that uh, uh, we've been executing those type of things in the offseason and in, in fall camp in Latrobe uh, to put guys in positions uh, that aren't named 80, 84 or 26 uh, to be able to make plays. That aren't named 84, 84 and 26. Or 26. <laughs> you know what he meant. Yeah, but I do. The previous point about they're going to have to deal with stuff that's not necessarily on the defense's tape. Le'Veon Bell talked about that at times last year that – they see a lot of stuff that people cobble up or cobble together. Bless you again. Bless Thank you. you. So you're get another allergic hoodie. to your sports guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not the only one. They, they see a lot of stuff that they haven't seen or weren't anticipating because people that play the Steelers are not afraid to color outside the lines to try to stop their offense. Right. they got to add a few wrinkles. Sometimes they figure, hey, what we're usually doing isn't going to be good enough against these guys, so we got to come up with something defensively that they haven't seen. Uh, their ability to recognize that stuff and deal with it is going to go a long way toward deciding how successful they are. Totally agree. And fortunately, it's a they got game a, of adjustments. They have a veteran group, and, and they're, they're not bad at that. So it's not necessarily a concern, but it's something they better be prepared to do. And, you know, find guys that uh, are, are good players, maybe that are named number 89 or uh, maybe named uh, number, number 19. 13. <laughs> what, what's, or number 13, yeah. That's James Washington's number 13, right? 13, yeah. Well, the thing that I was thinking about, you know, that was emblematic of that, that play where um, he didn't turn around, the bigger problem there was not that they're throwing the ball to him in the end zone and he didn't turn, turn around to, to, to get a, a hand on it. It was, if you're playing with Big Ben, you always have to be looking for the ball. Yes. A lot of the plays are going to be breakdown, like coverage breakdowns, and come back to the ball, look where he is, scrambling. Every guy should think it's coming to me. At all times. And four of them are going to be wrong. <laughs> right. But when right. you're not, you better be ready to deal with it. And in Washington's case, too, it's coming a little harder than it has previously. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger throws harder than Mason Rudolph. He reads it quicker than Mason Rudolph. It gets there faster than the ones he used to catch at Oklahoma State. But he'll figure it out, I think. He is, uh, Washington uh, has shown a great appreciation for what he's doing wrong, which uh, not that he's doing everything wrong, but a lot of young players don't have that. you got to recognize it right. before you fix it, right? 
Mm-hmm. Hey, I screwed that up. I better work on that. So that's that's encouraging. I don't think offense is going to be their problem this year. No, not at all. Actually, that's a good uh, segue because we're going to have D- Jerry D on to talk about the defense. He wrote an article on Sunday about Sean Davis taking over at strong safety and just how that role was going to be pivotal. And, and uh, a lot of Steeler Nation in the, in the Steelers chat that he had, they were alarmed at the uh, the defense. Yeah. They should be in the concerned. First two games. They should be concerned. Yeah. Now that's sports. Really. That's sports. You want to sneeze again? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably get probably got one working up here. Are though, you so. really allergic to my sportscasters because it's cold in here? It's not cold in here. It's it's her comfortable today. Are up. So it's me. Yeah. You're saying I it's mean, not you, it's me. I'm not pointing fingers. It just happens. You're right sitting next to her. That's how we are now. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Jerry Dulac. Yeah, he's going to join us this morning at 845 and then at 945, or 745 rather. Yeah. He's coming up next. Coming 845, up. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. It's a DVE morning show. It's the DVE morning show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford and Mike Pursuta. Randy Bauman taking a couple of days off. Joining us now from the Post-Gazette, Jerry Dulag. Jerry, good morning. Hi, Val. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Bad girl. What's like fall weather out here today? Beautiful morning. I more. know. I love it. Yeah. This is a little I crisp. Know. It's football oh, oh. weather. Yeah, yes, it is, but we still have to endure two more preseason games before we get to the real stuff. <laughs> endure is the word. Hey, you yeah, wrote... You wrote uh, Sunday about Sean Davis and uh, his new position. Talking about, you know, we have this preseason game coming up Saturday against the Titans, 4 o'clock kickoff. Should we expect to get a good look at him this Saturday? Well, well, I think, uh, Val, I think it's important for he and, and Morgan Burnett and the other players in the secondary to get some amount of time together in a, in a, in a game because, you know, when you look at it, um, they have a new free safety, a new strong safety, a new outside right outside linebacker, a new left outside linebacker, a new inside linebacker. So five positions out of the back eight are players, okay, and I know they're players who have been here, but they're all playing new positions. And it's important to develop some amount of cohesion. I don't think it's the end of the world, but I think they would like to get in there not only to see how you know, how guys react to them, but how they react to the other guys and how they play together. But Sean Davis's position, you know, he's the last line of defense. He knows it. He embraces it. He welcomes it. He's, he he likes the fact that the coaches trust him. But the reason they did it, and, and you know, with Mike Mitchell last year, people complain, oh, Mike Mitchell, Mike Mitchell missed that tackle. Mike Mitchell was out of position. Mike Mitchell uh, took a bad angle. Well, one of the main reasons is because Mike Mitchell couldn't run anymore, and that's why they didn't bring him back, and that's why nobody has signed him. And they feel that Sean Davis, of course, can run, has much better range. And, and, you know, maybe that leads to more interceptions back there. But most importantly, his job is to, if, if the guy catches the ball, is running the ball, get the guy on the ground. Because if he doesn't get him, nobody's getting him at that point. Are you worried about his groin injury, though, Jerry? Because wasn't that what, uh, what sort of hampered uh, Mitchell's play when he came here his first year? Yeah, I think um, – uh, uh, you know, Billy, I was going to say, you know, wh- whether it was Mitchell's injury or Mitchell's inability to run, I'm not sure who's <laughs> hampered, him, hampered him most. But early on, I know that that was the deal. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm not. We'll see. We'll see if it, it, it lingers. One of the things you've seen them do in training camp, Mike Tomlin has done this the last couple of years. Um, you know, they're very cautious with these guys. They keep them out longer than necessary because 
It's one thing to deal with the injury one time. They don't want to deal with the injury twice. They don't want it to aggravate it and have to deal with it some more. So they take the extra time to let it heal. And, and, And that's why, you know, Sean Davis hasn't been on the practice field a lot. Morgan Burnett wasn't on the practice field early on for the same reason. Um, but, it, you know, it appears to be okay, and they're just being cautious with it. And, you know, fingers crossed for them. They they hope that, that continues and, and he'll be fine. So, you know, as Mike Tomlin says, Billy, they're not going to live in their fears. They can't worry that how much it's going to linger. They just hope they caught it and, and the rest will help them. But to your previous point, Jerry, all those new faces in new places and I don't know like that they've all practiced together since the pads came on, right? Maybe the f- Mike, none, no, they haven't, and, and that's kind of my point because Morgan Burnett missed the first part, then Sean Davis yeah, uh, missed the Watt's part. Watt's been out. Did, Watt hasn't played. Dupree's been out. And then early on, well, of course, the Bostick's been in there pretty much since training camp as as the started. But, yeah, the, all those all those parts, you know, Watt still hasn't been on the field. Dupree just got on last week, um, you know, in, in, in terms of practicing 11-on-11 and team stuff. But, uh yeah, and, 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 and that's kind of it. And then all of a sudden, the regular season, you're going to put them all out there at the same time. And granted, that's what you should do. But again, they, if they haven't had a lot of time to play together and work together, just, you know, it's going to take some time. That's all. Is Bostic now competing against somebody that might get cut from another team? Or is he competing to keep six and seven DBs off the field? You know, Mike, that's a that's a good question. Um, I all along have thought that you know there's another inside linebacker going to come on to this team, but I don't know that it's the, the, it's Joe Hayden again. I don't know that it's a guy that they go out and get and can immediately plug into the lineup uh, because the, the the popular names that you see mentioned could have been had already. Um, it, it, it just depends how committed they are, Mike, and it seems that they are. Look, Mike Tomlin always said that last year they played sub-package football 75% of the time. That's three out of four plays. So if three out of four plays you're going to take a linebacker off the field, what's the necessity of having of going out and, and, and maybe uh, getting a top-flight player? I'm not saying that's not the smart thing to do or that they might do, but uh, you know, I think they at least have a plan and I would be surprised if they did that, but you never know if one would become available that they like. Um, I think at this point in time, with the, with the, with what they wanted to develop and the way they wanted to go about with their defense, I don't know all of a sudden that you're going to bring in a linebacker who now is going to be on the field all the time, and you know maybe scuttle a little bit your plan for their five, six, and seven defensive backs. Uh, so that would be the only reason why I think that may not be the case. You bring in Joe Hayden last year, hey, look, he goes and plays a corner spot in place of another guy, and you don't change what you're doing. I think mm-hmm. if they bring in a linebacker, it's going to change, at least, you know, it, it could change what they think they want to do philosophically, at least in terms of execution as well, uh, going forward. Jerry, I love reading the uh, the Steelers chat. To me, it's sort of like the nightly sports call in print form. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, the, the, you don't get the accents in there, but uh, I end up reading that thing in this in the Pittsburgh accent, and you know they're asking you all kinds of crazy questions, but they're saying you know stuff like, did the Steelers become like some kind of finesse defense or something? Like we're not feared anymore, and uh, and that that seems to be a popular sentiment throughout the uh, the fan base. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I got that one the other day, Billy. And I, I guess they want uh, a Lambert and, and, and Green and, and, and Fats Holmes uh, back on this team, <laughs> Mel Blunt. But you know, the, the reality of that situation is the game, uh, you know, is is played differently, and um, it, and it's played with speed, and that's what Mike Tomlin embraces. And, and really, Billy, and maybe maybe this is the maybe this is part of the reason why they've backed off in the division. The Baltimore Ravens have a different philosophy. They play with, with big and broad, and the Steelers play with smaller and speed, and, and because that's the way Mike Tomlin believes. And you can see by the players the Ravens draft. You see, you see him take one, you go, oh, that's a, that's a Ravens player. Yep. But those are the kinds of guys they like. They like the, big, the bigger-bodied guys who are going to maybe have that type of defense, be a little bit more of a physical defense, but... Again, I'm not so sure that's the way the game is played anymore. When you look at the speed of defensive ends, you look at the, the wide receivers, you look at the tight ends who are who are flexed and can run, the running backs who can catch the ball. Um, you know, you get some of those Ravens linebackers on in one on ones with a running back, they're going to lose. And the Steelers don't believe in that. I'm not saying they're going to win that battle, but they they're not going to sit there and just on paper lose that battle. So that's that's the way Mike Tomlin wants to play. He wants to play with with speed. And uh, and uh, I'm I'm not going to argue with him. That's the way the game is. Jerry Dulag, the Post Gazette. Jerry, thanks for joining us this morning, and we'll hear you on the network pregame this Saturday at two o'clock. Right? Yeah, thanks for chatting with us, Jerry. Absolutely, Mike. Always always a pleasure. And you can dial in every Wednesday at eleven o'clock and chat with me if you'd like at postgazette.com. <laughs> it looks fascinating. Yeah, oh, it really is. It's, it's thirty. 30 minutes of delirious fun. <laughs> delirious fun. Well, I'll be tuned yeah, in on Saturday to listen to you guys and during the uh, the third preseason game. That's going to be delirious something. I don't know what. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. That's delirious 90 minutes. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jerry. We'll talk to you soon. You it's Bye a DVE now. morning show. I've, I've hey. been pretty messed up at times. I never thought... You know what? I'm, I'm, I could go for some dead flowers. Anybody I never had else? my pants on backwards, Bill. <laughs> uh, I can't say that. You've had your you know, pants I on backwards? I grew up in the 90s. I mean, at least in my house, I tried it on. I never I never did it. You experimented with the criss- crisscross? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Baseball jersey backwards. Everything backwards. Oh, yeah. Were you on a dance team? I mean, not uh, officially. <laughs> what? <laughs> What was the uh, name of your name? What was the name you didn't have? I name. want video. I got to look something Did up. Did you have I a name have like some, Turbo honestly, or something? No, no, of course not. What was it? I didn't have one. Oh. <laughs> Nothing to But nice try there. Not that, like Turbo. That honestly might have tricked me out of it. Yeah. Like, hey, it wasn't Turbo, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was White Lightning. Right. Randy Bellman <laughs> and the DVE Morning Show. It's 5 after 8 at DVE. Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 54 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. More than 100 dogs are being cared for in Washington County after being rescued from a suspected puppy mill. Pennsylvania State Police and Humane Society agents raided a Hopewell Township farm yesterday after getting tips about dogs being kept in deplorable conditions. Those dogs were found with little food and water. Some appeared to be sick. No charges have been filed so far. Far. According to Channel 2, they were German short-haired pointers. Story also reports rescuers had to use the Washington County Fairgrounds as a triage unit to assess and care for the dogs. There's no word on when they'll be available for adoption. Well, you can show the ones you love some affection today because it's National Hug Your Sweetheart Day. 
to a holiday first celebrated in 2015. Why am I telling you about this silly day? Yeah, why are you? Uh, Well, full body hugs. Full body? Which you don't want to do in the office. No. uh, Full body hugs can lower stress and feelings of loneliness and increase self-esteem. More hugs also can lower blood pressure. And your sweetheart doesn't even have to be the person you're dating. It's defined as someone who is lovable and pleasing to be around. But to your point, do not slow roast somebody at the office. <laughs> no, because no full body hugs. You will get hashtag me too'd right out of <laughs> employment. Seems lots of people are interested in going vegan. If you go by social media mentions anyway, research found veganism is the most discussed diet. Not the most disgusting. Oh, okay. The most discussed diet on social media by a large margin. Second was gluten-free, followed by vegetarian. Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about it just because I read in uh, in one of my health books that, you know, the the most amount of energy you spend in a day number one is your brain and number two like your brain takes up a lot of energy and uh just thinking about things and how are you gonna you know all the stress that people have just zaps your energy and then the second biggest zap on your energy is digestion Mm. digesting things and how much of the food that we eat your body's like oh my god okay Rhett, sound the alarms. We gotta di- we gotta work overtime. This isn't even food. What are these chemicals? This isn't digestible. I could not be vegan. Well, no, I you're might the little be, meat eater. I, <laughs> <laughs> I not. might be able to get by vegetarian uh, for a while. Yeah, I I mean, I think I would have to live with a vegan chef. To be yeah, able to do it, I don't know how people that's that takes a lot of your time. I think if you to you know, avoid all animal products, right? If you go vegan, you're basically just committing to being hungry. No butter, forever. No cheese, milk, <sighs> pasta. No ice cream. You can't eat anything with eggs in it. Cookies. Cookies. You think a cookie? Later. Hey, there's no meat in there. Nope. There's nope. eggs and butter. Well. But isn't that there's probably vegan cookies? Yeah, I bet they're tasty. Awful. <laughs> they probably taste like brittle bread. <laughs> it's like eating a statue. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just throw some huh. sugar and uh, paste together and you know call what? it a cookie. It's a vegan cookie. I'm just going to go eat some wood chips in the planter <laughs> out front. I'm all set. Although I did sample a sweet potato and quinoa burger. At Costco the other yeah. day, it was, was pretty tasty. I bought a box. <laughs> yes, Serena has like the these black bean burgers that are vegan, and they're really good. They're actually good. Like you, she makes them in the microwave or whatever, and then chops them up and puts like some extra tomatoes in there, some sour cream, a little bit of basil, and you kind of eat it, it as like a little mash. Pig mash? Not pig mash. No. Vig mash. <laughs> <laughs> that a sounds chi- nasty. <laughs> a Chinese man might be a little bit embarrassed after getting his hand stuck in a sex toy vending machine, which apparently Hate they have in China. 
Uh, the guy claimed he paid for the device on his mobile phone, but uh, the machine didn't <laughs> drop the whatever he bought. Or what did he buy? We uh, got to know. No reports on what he bought. Uh, so he stuck his hand into the opening to try to get it out. Uh, according to the fire department report, rescuers had to use a special tool to cut through a side panel on a vending machine on the vending machine before using a stick to Was crack it. Was it a dildo knife? <laughs> Hold on, no. let's get you out of there. <laughs> no word as to whether he took his purchase when he left or he just ran away in embarrassment. He was stuck there for like 20 minutes. He better have got the 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 gift there because that you know he earned it. He worked I'll say. for it. That would be the most embarrassing thing because i see those those places on the side of the road that are always painted in like a matte black finish <laughs> the adult bookstores <laughs> yeah, yeah and they have like the privacy fences set up all around yeah and i mean just to think like you get caught in some way where everybody can see you you're just like oh no because there's so much shame although if you are buying a sex toy from a vending machine in public maybe you're not embarrassed at all yeah good chance you're not shameful about it. right john ham and ed harris are reportedly joining the cast of top gun maverick that is the sequel to the Top Gun movie from the 80s. Of course, Tom Cruise starred in that. It's not known who the two actors will be playing, but Tom Cruise is going to be back as Pete Maverick Mitchell. Steve Newton. What, what is he, 60? Well, I think isn't he's an he, instructor uh, now. I think that's the plot like, of the movie. Isn't he like twice as old as Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that story that came out where they said no. that Tom Cruise in his most recent Mission Impossible movie is as old as Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. Wow, what a different look. <laughs> like, I don't know if Tom Cruise looks great or if Wilford Brimley just looked awful. Like, I think just, Wilford has always looked old. Yeah. He like just has baby that picture, look. He yeah, has gray hair. And the mustache and the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise right still looks womb. pretty good. Steve Newton, a reporter who's been covering ACDC since 1982, is now persona non grata with the band after breaking the story this month that they are recording in Vancouver with Brian Johnson and Phil Rudd. He says he's been made aware they are not happy about his reports. Newton says, I've heard from a few sources. One of my fave all-time bands, ACDC, isn't too thrilled. I got the word out they'd been spotted at a recording facility in Vancouver. Yeah, I guess they could quit going out for Siggy's on the deck at Warehouse <laughs> Studio in Gastown, but they could also quit walking around downtown Vancouver, which is where drummer Phil Rudd and rhythm guitarist Stevie Young were first spotted back on August 1st. Hey, it's not my fault that whenever somebody sees ACDC on the street, they automatically think, wow, this is big news. I better tell the newt. And what am I supposed to do with a juicy tidbit like that, seeing that I've been writing about my fave all-time band since 1982? Keep it to myself. Wait until some other bozo breaks the news. What would TMZ do? Anyway, the word is out now. I made the call and went for it. And if I ticked off ACDC, I'm not happy about that. If they were pissed at me, I guess I can forget about any future interviews. I was with him all the way up until he said, what would TMZ do? You should not live your life in accordance to that question. ACDC, a very private band, and they are not commenting on any of this. I didn't know Phil Rudd could leave the country. I didn't know either. I thought he was still on house arrest. Maybe he got a work release or something. Maybe he's on a boat, and that's like the way that he was able to swing it.
Forecast today, sun, some clouds, but pretty beautiful all in all. Mid-70s uh, for the high today. It's 54 at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Uh, coming up at 845, we're going to talk with Jeremy Fowler at ESPN.com. He joined us at Steelers training camp, first time on the show. So uh, we'll be glad to have him back. It'll be actually his third visit, I think, now. Yeah. He's become a regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be joined by him. Mike pursuit has got sports at the bottom of the hour. Of one day... I come to notice all these people was wearing the same colored clothes. None but black and gold. Seemed like they were all under a spell. Netflix is proud to present another blockbuster documentary. Everybody felt like they was at the Immaculate Reception. That was like our big bang in that. That was like we're the chosen people. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yoy and double yoy. Our vision was to create a football community based on worshiping a golden god named Lombardi. You know what I mean. From producers Mark and Jay Duplass comes the story of the birth of a nation. We got a tip from the IRS, and in a matter of months, shrines were popping up all over the country for these cult members to answer their call to worship. They weren't shrines, they was Steeler bars popping up in every major city in the country. I mean, yeah, they was worshiping an app, but they were worshiping Emperor Chaz Knoll. We received a bootleg video of their beer-fueled orgies that were ceremoniously held in these massive stadium parking lots. It wasn't like any Sunday service I'd ever seen. They weren't orgies, they was tailgates. We also had it on good authority that they'd formed an army that could pose a threat to our National Guard. We contacted the guard down the stadium, you know, that, that knew the ball players. We asked him, he said, would Franco mind if we would be Franco's Italian army? So he asked Franco, and he says he wouldn't mind it at all. And then from then on, the rest is just history. Sure, my family was worried about me. They thought I was brainwashed. But I wasn't. I just had Steeler fever, and I ain't never found a cure. You know, to me. From the people that brought you Netflix captivating documentary, Wild Wild Country. I was willing to do anything to make sure that Baba Rooney and his desires were fulfilled so that we would be enshrined in a state of Lombardy grace for eternity. They don't interview that chick. Yeah, she's a nutbag. She came around at tailgates talking about putting poison in one of the other team's water bottles. I mean, great idea and all. Yeah, if we, but we didn't need no poison. We had Jack Lambert. Wild, wild Steeler country. Netflix, this Friday. It's a DVE morning show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford and Mike Pursuit of Randy off for a couple of days. Uh, are we done paying attention to the Pirates again? No, I mean, we're done hoping that they make the playoffs, but okay. I think We've yeah. given up hope. If you want to look at what's going on now and project what might happen next year, I think that's a worthwhile It's endeavor. a rebuilding time. We're managing our expectations, but still, there's promise for next year. When yeah. do the Penguins report to camp? <laughs> Middle of September, As I you think. say, it's got to be just a few weeks, right? Yeah, it's not far. It all will be going on at the same time soon. Val. And, uh, of course, we got another Steelers preseason game. We'll get yeah! the action underway yeah! at noon uh, <laughs> here on your flagship station for Steelers football. Mike Pursuta takes over the network pregame at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Steelers taking on the Titans at Heinz Field.
So Mike's coming up with a, a good uh, sports report, and you need a good night's sleep to have a good sports report, Mike. You do, and uh, as luck would have it, Mattress Firm's most popular deal is back, and that means it really is the best time of the year to buy from Mattress Firm. Shop the Labor Day sale. For a limited time, you can save up to 600 bucks across America's best-selling brands. Don't miss your chance to get a free adjustable base with your purchase of $599 or more. That's a value of $699. You want to hurry in before those sell out all beds are on sale that means you can get a beauty rest queen mattress for just 497 dollars or a serta memory foam queen mattress for their lowest price ever at 397 dollars mattress firm's 120 night low price guarantee allows you to shop with confidence they'll beat any price on comparable mattresses even ones bought for mattress firm for up to 120 nights and when they say all beds are on sale they mean all beds on sale mattress firms lowest priced mattresses start at just 37 dollars you can also get zero percent apr for six years that's the best financing mattress firm has to offer don't delay the sale ends soon get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for the price of a twin call 1-866-780-6220 for credit costs and terms subject to credit approval dve sports I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. Let's continue our conversation with Steelers offensive coordinator Randy Feekner. We've heard a lot from him this morning, and we're going to keep hearing from Randy today as we count it down to preseason game number three. The Steelers and the Tennessee Titans Saturday afternoon at Heinz Field. Once uh, we all get on the other side of that, there will be just one preseason game left. Are you ready to endure some football? <laughs> you may hear that again, as uh, our buddy Madden likes to say. Uh, it is a process, and this is part of the process. And uh, it's an important process for Feekner, who is the offensive coordinator of the Steelers for the first time, the offensive coordinator of an NFL team for the first time this coming season. And he's not coming here to install the run and shoot. They're not going to... Uh, come up with the triple option or the veer or even resurrect the Packers sweep. Randy Finkner uh, told me yesterday he doesn't want to have a signature uh, for his offense this year, but he'd like it to have a defining characteristic. Not just being um, um, reactive and being proactive towards things. Uh, there's things that we're going to try and put a staple on and things that we want to be able to do uh, and, and hope that um, uh, through execution and, and the talent that we have, we'll be able to do that no matter what they do. Uh, but I've always said it's about what we do better than what they do. Uh, it's never going to be about them. It's always going to be about us and our execution. And like I said, within that, um, trying to use the players in the best possible way uh, try and do the things that uh, uh, Ben feels very comfortable with is, is always important, uh, but it, it hasn't not been important. In 12 years I've been here, I, I, I've learned that. Um, you know, your quarterback has to be very comfortable in the things you're asking him to do because them are the things you'll be able to execute in crunch time, and they'll be the things that you have repped so often and that no matter what they do on defense, no matter what happens to you on offense, a player goes down, um, we've been in games where we're down to the last lineman and you got to play a tight end lineman. Uh, you know, things happen in games that you just got to be able to adjust. you got to be able to adjust, be versatile, be flexible, be in the moment, and uh, be aware of what's happening and what you have to do in response. Mike, that's a, life, it, that's a life goal. That's a life message. Yeah. And then throw it to A.B. on third down. Yeah. Late in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. 
Because as insufferable as he is, he'll find a way to stretch the ball across the goal line. Or do a Tony toe tap on the sideline. Or so the theory goes. Uh, Randy Figner thinks he's got a lot more tools than Antonio Brown. He's right about that. Uh, when Le'Veon Bell gets here, he'll have an all-pro running back. He's got Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, presumably Vance McDonald will start practicing again at some point. And uh, they'll and improve have a, Jesse James. They'll have a tight end and improve Jesse James. they got a lot working for him, and uh, that includes an offensive line that uh, Feekner thinks is sometimes overlooked but should never be. Having some veteran players like an offensive line, uh, having Coach Munchak being uh, consistently with that group, uh, that brings a, 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 a calming uh, effect. You know, we don't probably talk about that group enough uh, just in general. You know, it's easy to highlight the guys that score touchdowns and run for a lot of yards and throw great passes and it look good. But, you know, there's a lot of things and details that go in to allow that to happen. So, uh, you know. That's a, a, a rock for this offense, no doubt. <laughs> He's right. They don't get talked about enough. No, I was, you know, we were talking off air. We were talking to Jerry D, and one of the questions in his Steeler chat was, is B.J. Finney an upgrade uh, for for uh, run blocking? I mean, Foster's always hurt. Don't you think we need to invest more into our offensive line? It's like, really? I mean, there's very few positions where we are solid as invested as they are and jerry pointed out almost everyone on that line i think everyone on that line is in their second contract yeah foster's only one he was an undrafted uh free agent entering the league uh marcus gilbert's a second round pick the castro's a one pouncey's a one filling away a a project that they have Mm -hmm. uh, turned into a, a very good player yeah they've invested Heavily in that, I would say. Quite a bit. With good reason. Pirates lost 2-1 to one to the Braves. Uh, what a homestand, uh, an historic homestand, and not in a good way. Seven runs in seven games and a 2-5 and five record that has pretty much scuttled the ship in terms of postseason aspirations. But Yeah, that's tough when you get, Look when to you the get future. broomed yeah. at home. More good pitching, however, starting with Trevor Williams. Six innings, two hits, just one run allowed two walks and four strikeouts his era is down to 3.44 and he's not the only one they have been uh running guys out there one after another that have been pitching really well and someday bill that's going to pay off if that keeps up yeah just got to get some guys on base and then bat those guys in that's all you got to do that's it Ten and a half back of the Cubs, seven and a half out of the wild card at 63 and 65 are the Pirates. They've got an off day today, and uh, they begin a series in Milwaukee Friday night. What is it about like the like baseball and just how infectious a slump can be? Like all of a sudden, the whole team is slumping at the same time. If you figure that out, get in the baseball industry because you'll make a ton of cash. Is that like when women live in the same house, all their menstrual cycles sync up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you that question. <laughs> I'm so happy I didn't even offer a guess at an answer. <laughs> or like when a Canadian, you know, when because sometimes w- you guys catch me off guard and I just yeah. give you a little veiled agree. Uh, yep. uh-huh. Well, possibly you never, you know. Or like a hockey team after they've been together for a full season, everybody sounds kind of Canadian. Well, you know, obviously, you know, you got to get the pucks in deep and. Uh, you know, and to get a chip and chase. Everybody sounds Canadian, but they're Russians, Bill. All right, then. 
It's true. Coming up, we'll be joined by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. That's He's on neither. the way. He's not Canadian? Nor Russian. It's a DVE morning show. It's a DVE morning show. Randy Bauman uh, taking a couple of days off for uh, a little rest and relaxation before we hit it hard into the fall with Steelers. Do you think he's resting and relaxing? No, not at all. No, he's one of those guys that goes hard on vacation. Yeah. I mean, he... He's probably hiking up some mountain. Yeah. He's very active on his vacations. (laughs) He's outdoor Randy. Fly to Iceland for a little halibut lunch. (laughs) I was talking to Billy Gardell, and I said... uh, you know, uh, my kids call Randy Outdoor Randy, and and he started laughing. He goes, "Why?" And I said, "I don't know." I th- he got a bike, and Billy just started laughing hysterically. He's like, "That's so Pittsburgh. You get a bike, and then all your friends start calling you Outdoor Randy. <laughs> like you just make one move to try to improve your health." We have our third preseason game this Saturday. Steelers take on the Titans at Heinz Field. We're joined now by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, You wrote this morning on ESPN.com about uh, Le'Veon Bell and when is he going to show up. How does this affect the players? What is the vibe you get from those guys about their feelings towards him? Second year, he's not in camp. Well, there's, there's really sort of an indifference that I've noticed. You know, th- these are guys that are, were resigned to the fate here because they've been through this year, too. I mean, they, they know the script. They know Bell's probably going to show up around September 4th, which is the Monday of week one, and, and there's not a lot of way around that. Of course, they'd want him here, and they can really just hope he shows up in good shape, you know. Um, you know, last, you know he's a guy that has a track record for that. Is a well-conditioned athlete, but, you know, when a guy's gone for nine months you just don't really know and so i spoke with senator marquis county who's sort of a you know a leader on the team he said i wish i knew when he was coming i, I hope he hmm. comes before the fourth preseason game so we can get just a few more reps in that's probably not going to happen but you know we just have to rely on his track record as a great player and hope for the best jeremy uh connor has looked really good in the the preseason but how do you see the depth chart at running back rounding out yeah, Sakano's the, the clear-cut number two, and in fact, a lot of veterans I, I've spoken to feel good about him having to carry a, a decent load in week one if he has to. Of course, Bell can take that, but, you know, if he comes in and, and Connor needs to go, they said he looks great, he, he's well-conditioned now, and he's running the ball hard, hitting holes hard, and, and at the least, he's a good change of pace back. After that, you know, it's Stephen Ridley is a, is a veteran that, that I – I liked it just from a standpoint of having a guy who can bang it out a little bit, you know, a downhill runner that maybe would be, be good for them as a third back. But he's been hurt dealing with, I think, what looks like a hamstring injury. Uh, and plus, he's you know, he's had injuries and bounced around the league. So I don't know that he's the answer there. Jalen Samuels, to me, the fifth-round pick, I just don't know if they're ready to give up on him yet, even though, um, you know, they maybe need him to run a little harder at times. But he's a skilled guy. Um, you know, he's intentional about it. You know, I could see them keeping him as their, their third back. Uh, or at the least keeping them on their practice squad if they have to. It's funny, getting back to Bell for a minute, uh, Pouncey, I don't know if he was just kidding around with us or he was actually optimistic when he reported to camp. He was hopeful that Bell would maybe come in a week earlier. Yeah. But, but that maybe that was just uh, wishful thinking in retrospect. Yeah, I think we'd like to just see him maybe before the Carolina game on Thursday just to be able to get a few reps in, but... You know, from what I was told, Bell pretty much at least at least his tentative plan all along has been to follow the same formula as last year. So 
he could show up that Friday after that game and do his physical and then sign his deal on Monday. Um, but, you know, he's all in on that injury thing. You know, he, he wants to, I guess he, he's got the leverage here. He's going to say, I'm going to preserve my body. No chance in, in an injury in practice or anything. I'm just going to come in ready to go. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN.com with us now. Jeremy, I don't know the finer points of contract negotiations and what the league rules are. Is there a possibility he won't sign this deal for this year? Well, uh, it's, he would have to have about 14 million reasons not to, or at least 800,000 <laughs> reasons a week. Um, you know, I, I know. Could uh, another team the, pick him up? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the well, rules are. Well, uh, yeah, when they put you on the franchise tag, that the team designates you as their franchise player. They own your rights for this year for sure. So, really, Bell's options are he has three options. He can, well, really two. He can show up now, sign it, and play the year, or he can wait till week ten and become. A, you, know, you still get an accrued season if you play at least six games. So, if, if you wanted to wait and and play later in the year, he could do that. But then you're giving up. All that money would be, you know, prorated. So you'd be giving up eight plus million dollars to do that, which is a running back at age twenty six is simply not going to do that, no matter how much he talks about, um, you know, retirement or, or, or you're trying to jockey for leverage. That's just something the Steelers always knew he was going to be here week one. You wrote a great piece about uh, Big Dan McCullers, and I think it was misconstrued largely. Everybody kind of took it to mean, oh, well, he's going to be a star player. And, and I thought it was just interesting you just kind of telling a little bit of his backstory, and this is sort of his last chance. He really wants a multi-year deal. But to me, it kind of seems like for the four years he's been here, he's been Bruce Banner, and they're just trying right. to figure out how to get him to Hulk smash the interior O-line on a consistent basis because that's really the only hope for the guy because he's freakishly big, but he just doesn't have the motor going at all times. Right, and that, that was sort of the difficulty of writing the story is because he's been here four years, so it's like how long is too long for an NFL project? Uh, but, you know, he, he's shown up. Three years and, is the answer. <laughs> right, pretty much. Yeah, that's the thing. I, mean, I think everybody was surprised when they even re-signed him, even though they really gave him no money. Um, he just he made no uh, contribution last year whatsoever. But you know his argument would be, um, I fell out of favor with the defensive line coach. Maybe I, I should have, you know, maybe I now I can change that narrative and get get some reps. But he's got the new coach who says that look, this guy if he can go hard every play and be intentional, he can be dominant. He can move people. I mean, I was watching that Packers game. You know, he's maybe not skilled enough to to get to the quarterback and get sacks. But if you ask him to move that lineman back. I mean, in the Packers game, two of the first three snaps, he took the, the smaller center and drove him directly into the ground headfirst. So he can do that still. And I think you get chances in the NFL if you have one transferable skill like that. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a guy who's motivated and really, you know, he said that I haven't gotten he, – he, he realized he hadn't gotten angry for his job. He thought, like, well, I'm not an angry guy. Why are you asking me to get angry at this other team? <laughs> but now he realizes I can get paid for this. And I didn't get paid when I had the chance the first time, so now I need to change that. Jeremy, we're still not out of the preseason. Still time to uh, get better get and work on things. But <laughs> as we speak at this very moment, your confidence level that the defense will be better than it was a year ago. And I'm talking in December, not the number 5 defense in the league because they played yeah. well before Shazier got hurt. Right. The, the only reason why I say yes is because there was so bad tackling and miscommunication at the end of the year. I just can't think you can be much worse. 
Um, they're used to losing Ryan Shazier, but I, I'm not convinced. You know, I think the roster overall is better. I'm still not convinced that, you know, without Ryan Shazier, that they're going to be this great defense. Um, I know it's the preseason, but you, you were there the other night. I mean, it's just, you know, they, they're missing a bunch of starters, I know, but still see some glimpses of the old Steelers there, you know, where they're just giving up huge gaps um, in, in passing lanes and getting torched up a little bit. So I, I do think they will be at least slightly better, but it's, that's weighted because I don't necessarily think they're just going to roll out of bed and get 50-plus sacks like they did last year either. So I think, you know, the, the roster is slightly better. I don't know that it's going to result in huge numbers across the board, top three defense. I think they'll, I think they'll be better on the back end with giving up the big plays and the missed tackles. That's where I think they will improve. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. Check out his stuff, and glad to have you joining us this season. Hope you uh, come back on the show. For sure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN.com. Mike Pursuta has another sports report coming up at the bottom of the hour. I've got news next. It's a DVE morning show. It's 55 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Jimmy Bennett is speaking out about his alleged abuse by Asia Argento. The actor told the New York Times he was too afraid and ashamed to talk publicly about the incident when it happened. And then recently when interviewed, Bennett accuses the Italian actress of sexually abusing him in Marina del Rey when he was just 17. Argento denies ever having sex with him. Bennett reportedly sent Argento a notice that he was suing her a month after she alleged that she had been sexually assaulted by film producer Harvey Weinstein. And a German actress now suing Weinstein, claiming he raped her 12 years ago. That suit was filed Monday in L.A. federal court by a woman who's using the pseudonym Emma Lohman. Court documents accuse Weinstein of violating human trafficking laws, assault, battery, and false imprisonment during the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. An attorney for Weinstein says the suit is without merit and claims are barred by the statute of limitations. That suit states Weinstein got her to his hotel room under the pretense of a business discussion, then overpowered and raped her, then threatened her to keep her mouth shut. And a second sexual assault case involving actor Kevin Spacey now under review in Los Angeles. Officials with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department reportedly presented the case to the district attorney on Tuesday. Details surrounding the case have not been made public. Spacey has been accused of sexual misconduct by several people. So the Raiders are moving to L.A., uh, Las Vegas, rather, in 2020. And according to Las Vegas Locally, the Raiders' new stadium will have retractable doors, a domed glass roof. Will it be an open concept? Well, I don't know. It's got a grass field if it has a glass-domed roof. That would be like a... That's not safe. One of those snow globes, but with the sun blazing down on you. Uh, and everybody's have, wearing all black. It'll have a grass field and a small jail and courtroom for unruly fans. Well, that jail will be filled. <laughs> they will be a capacity the first Sunday. The stadium will also have its own area command with a dedicated police force. They say the officers are planning to make an example of rowdy fans right off the bat. Fans who are caught fighting may have their personal seat license and season tickets revoked. Like we talk about NFL teams and fans getting into fights and things, but if you ever see anything coming out of like anything in L.A. when the when the Raiders were out there, now the Rams are out there, the the Forty ers those fan bases when those two teams play, any of those two teams, it is 
a melee like we've never seen before. Well, Raiders people fans. getting stabbed, yeah, that's and crazy. I don't know if they have like a fan release program where they're busing <laughs> them straight from jail, so they don't care if they go back because it's really just a visit. Doesn't um, it's scary? Doesn't the Philly Stadium have a, a like a mini jail in it? Yes, and a judge that works <laughs> on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> well, your right to a speedy trial is uh, hey. in full effect there. I mean, it's like to me, it's just not that serious. Like, obviously, I'm a diehard fan, but I don't actually want to die hard right. in, a, in, a, <laughs> in the parking lot before the game starts. Yeah. I think they're taking it too literally. <laughs> or they're all just in gangs and they just go there because they figure, well, there'll be some people to stab here. I, and- I wonder if... if um- well, it's not a new team, I guess, so it's a little different. But I was going to say, I wonder if the Raiders will have as much luck as the Golden Knights did their first season in Vegas. I mean, it's, it's, not, I mean, it's they're an just ideal relocation. It, it really is um, they're not the drafting perfect a place to go to. But I'd, I don't, like, I thought for a while, like, oh, well, I should probably go out and try to see the black hole once, you know, before they move. And then I was like... No, what Why? am I thinking? That is dumb. Why no, would you want to do? I'm. No, I'm. I think I'm. I, of course, I wouldn't go dressed in my Steelers gear. <laughs> I have kids. We've gone to every uh, Penguins outdoor game. The first one was in Buffalo. Yeah, Did, fun, fun, great time. Had no issue with fans. I think too because it was the first one ever. Right, and people were like, "This is so fun." And it was snowing. That game was magical. Yeah, we went to the one in Chicago. And uh, as soon as we got into the stadium, some guy starts with Tim. Really? Starts getting lippy. I'm like, I'm done. What did Tim do? He just was like, yeah. He just was kind of agreeable and didn't. I don't even remember what the guy said to him. No, I agree. I am a Jagoff. (laughs) Good point by you. It was something about Sidney Crosby. I I don't even remember what he said, but it's like, as soon as we get in here. Oh, you mean the best player in the world? People got to start. Yes, he is on our team. Thank you. A Minnesota marketing company is offering employees with pets fraternity leave. The benefit being offered by the Nina Hale Marketing Company in Minneapolis gives employees the ability to work from home for a week when they have a new dog or cat. Vice President of the company called it a no-brainer. <laughs> Nina Hale, not the only company offering paid pet leave. A data company in New York is offering paternity leave to employees <laughs> who adopt a rescue dog. Are you pro this? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but most people, I think, would just use vacation days. If right. you get vacation. Some people don't, I guess, but... Who doesn't get vacation days? There are people who don't get vacation days. That's just crazy. Yeah, should quit, be illegal. Quit but, that job. Um, yeah, no, I'm all for it. Mostly, though, when you have a sick dog. Yeah. Because if you have a dog <laughs> with diarrhea, oh. you do not want to leave that dog at home alone. What do you do? Do you, you put some diapers on him? Or? Oh my God, no. Why would you? That would be awful. I don't know. I mean, what 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 is the answer? You, you just stay have home. Okay. Then let the dog go outside every hour. So the dog knows, like, hey, I have to go. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to. It's like, it's not they get a panic look in their eyes, just like yeah. people do. Like, ah! <laughs> eyebrows go right raised. Now. Yeah. Well, like, they don't have eyebrows. Ah. But. <laughs> yes. They definitely let you know. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And if you're not there, they go. We were at uh, Little Italy Days in Bloomfield, 
and there was a dog um, that I guess was in heat, and this woman had like a paisley, like a stylish diaper on this dog. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it, and I was like, oh, the kids were like, that looks ridiculous. Is that dog wearing shorts? Did she tell you it was in heat? I asked. I oh. said, is that dog in heat? And she said, yeah, it just started today. Oh, my I was like, God. All right, well, you're doing the rest of us a favor, I guess. <laughs> Maybe stay home with the dog and Maybe, hate. yeah. You could just stay at home. Hey, my dog has diarrhea. Let's go to a fair. Let's <laughs> go to an outdoor street festival. <laughs> uh, Bill, what do you think of the gender reveal parties? Um, I think they're dumb. Yeah, I would agree. I think they're a little too over the top, but I love when they go wrong. I mean, that yeah. always happens on the internet. <laughs> where like Gender reveal fails. Yeah, where there's there's like a, usually it's a baseball or something and, you know, the guy's supposed to hit it and reveal the gender, but then yeah. he hits like a line drive back to the mound. Right. <laughs> takes his wife out who's pregnant. Yes. And uh, hopefully she's all right. For people who don't know, uh, it's when expecting parents have a party and they reveal to family and friends the gender of their bundle of joy. I don't understand... Like, somebody has to know, right? Because you have to take it to right the bakery or wherever. Well, I think it's sort of like a spectacle where they are revealing on it show. to the rest of the family. Because That's if you crazy. had, like, your sights set on something as a guy, and then you did it, <laughs> and it like, was like pink puff everywhere, you'd be like, you're like uh... damn it! <laughs> the party's ruined. It's over. Well, a new survey asked people... Just what do they think about these gender reveal parties? <laughs> Nobody wants to go to your gender reveal party. Nobody. I'm breaking this to you now. 35% say they are totally unnecessary. Thirty. Oh, that seems low. Yeah. 30% say it's a stupid trend. Okay. Uh, yeah, people just don't want to be mean. 27% say they're nothing more than the couple being self-indulgent. I oh. have never been invited, thank God. But I if have. I got like a say, what was it like a save the date? I, no, I think it's just hey, we're having a gender reveal party. Come, Come on, on over. over. Uh, only twenty five percent of those surveyed said they're fun. I've seen people do it with like a golf ball, mm -hmm. a baseball. Didn't like wasn't golf. there one with an alligator not too long ago? <laughs> I don't know what it, what it. What there happened was with some the alligator? weird one with an alligator or a carp or I think we posted it on the. On the morning show page. It might have been like a month or two ago, but... Yeah, I don't remember that. That's a yeah, little there's... dangerous. Might lose a limb. I don't... What's your reaction? Like, you're going to cheer either way. Right. You have to. It's a boy. Yay! It's a girl. Yay! Right? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, my God. It's blue and purple. Or blue and pink. All right. Yeah, well, unless you know... Take your pick. If you don't know, you just bring what? Yellow or green? Yeah, neutral colors. Exactly. Gray. Gray. A lot oh, nice, of gray. Nice gray. Or black. Hey. I there's never... There's a black blankie. I have a great niece. I refuse to buy her anything pink. Yeah. I absolutely I refuse. I know a lot of people who have started out that way in terms of just like... My sister is a perfect example. When she had her daughter, she was like, we're not doing that. Yeah. Okay? And a lot of people make that call. Like... We're not going the princess route, mm -hmm. okay? Her daughter is the biggest princess <laughs> uh, we've met so far in this world. She is so beautiful and just sweet mm -hmm. and wants to wear a crown yes. all day. 
every day. Yes. I'm my great niece is the same way, loves princesses. I bought her a princess dress for for Christmas last year. (laughs) But it was not pink. You can you can start with the policy, but it really the the kids that they want it. And then you just go, Okay, fine. I think it's because I was the youngest and the only girl. Yeah. So my mom wanted me to be this girly girl. And all your hand me downs were like flannels. Right. Tarzan shirts. <laughs> um, so I think I just rebel against Speed the pink racer. because All of right. that. Yeah. But yeah, nobody wants to go to your... Make your list for your gender reveal party and cut it down to one-fourth because those are the only people who want to go. Sorry I ruined your gender reveal party. <laughs> I mentioned early this morning Ben Affleck was headed back for a third attempt at rehab. Apparently, Ben broke up with his most recent girlfriend. Lindsay shook us because the bottle came between them. I think she's a Saturday Night Live staffer. I think they met when he was hosting. Okay. An insider revealed, quote, when Ben drinks, he gets nasty. He's unmotivated and gets very sloppy in his decision-making and his appearance. His behavior was a big turnoff to Lindsay. I bet when he drinks, he becomes like uh, O'Banion from oh, Dazed and Dazed Confused. Dazed and Confused, like no, no question. Last month, Lindsay flew her parents to L.A. about the time she moved into Ben's mansion. Then his drinking got out of control. A few short weeks later, Lindsay felt defeated. She had to move all her gear back east. Ben also parted ways with his longtime recovery coach. So that probably not a good idea either. He apparently then went on a bender that ended with a fling with 22-year-old Playboy model Shauna Sexton. Whoa. So he's off the sexy. rails, but uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I, I try to temper my my criticism of any kind of celebrity when they start acting crazy because, to me, that seems like a very natural reaction to living in a fishbowl. Yeah, with everybody watching you at all times. Like I don't know what I would do if. I was a big time movie star and you couldn't go outside without people recognizing you. And he's certainly of that caliber. Oh, yeah. But there are guys like Denzel Washington who they stay out of the... There are a lot of Hollywood people who aren't in the tabloids. Well, they just... They stay literally and figuratively out of Hollywood. Yeah. They don't live there. Like, Chappelle lives on a farm in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. He's had to run from the fame monster, like, at top speed. And he's been successful to a point, but it's like they keep coming for him. They're like, hey, you want to end up in the tabloids? He's like, no, I don't want to be in the movies. No. The show got too big. I walked away. Like, it, The guy just sold out a month worth of Radio City Music Hall shows last year. That's 6,000 seats yeah. for a month. Sun and clouds, mid-70s for the high today. It's 55 now at DVE. Going to be a beautiful day today. Uh, on the way at the bottom of the hour, Mike Pursuta doing sports for us. It's a DVE morning show. DVE Sports. So how's the deer? I don't know. They did not report on that. that. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's, it's not it's good. DOA. He just said it got hit. I'm kind of wondering. I'm assuming if it ran away, there wouldn't be an issue. Good point by you. It's <laughs> a uh, weird way to hunt for a lot of people, especially over in Highland Park. Did you ever hit one? I never have. I Swerved. Hit. I've gotten one. <laughs> You've gotten one. Like a demolished kind of situation? Uh, yeah, did it mess up your car? It was back when I had my Hummer, 
And I came around, it was an on-ramp on the 79 that was around a bend. Mm-hmm. And I came around the bend, you know, I'm picking up speed to yeah. merge onto the highway. Couldn't avoid it. It was just standing there and it looked over its shoulder. And I hit that thing and it took off like a football. Oh. But it bashed in the front end of my Hummer. It still drove. Of a Hummer? Yeah. But it 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 was accordion. Like it, it Did was you get a- out to check the status of the deer? No, I got... Punted into the red zone on the other side of the field. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't even see it, it was, after it. It was gone. Went airborne. <laughs> you buzzed that thing wow. fifty yards <laughs> straight through the uprights. The car uh, suffered a, a lot of damage. No, I mean it, it was pretty bad. Like when I first moved to the South Hills, every single morning there were several deer on the path to get here, and um, luckily I, I was never speeding. So I didn't, uh, I didn't hit any. There are also a great many out near where I live in the morning. I'm coming so early, as yeah. you guys are, and it's, they're kind of moving around at that time. Usually catch two or three on the way into work. My, By catch, you mean see. Yes, it. like, oh, look, there's one. And then <laughs> somebody told me there's never just one. No. So if you see, if you see one. If you see one, be on the alert. It, he's, right. he's either the first one or the last one, but there might be more. Right. He's either got his whole dumb family in tow or he's the dumbest one in his family. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I, that's I, our deer talk for the morning. My my dad hit one and he had like this little Apparently sports car. Talk. It was like a Vega or something. I don't know. And it just totally smashed his car to pieces. And Wait a minute. A Vega? Yeah. You call that a sports car? Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it looked like a sports car to me as a kid. I haven't ever seen one again. Anywhere. Hey, what do you want to get today? A Corvette or a Vega? <laughs> what is a Vega? I don't know what it is. Chevy is that, Vega? Is that just a it's terrible like a little car? car? A little compact. Well, see, that's what I meant. Yeah. It's like like a Mazda Miata kind of car. It's not something going to go cruising for chicks in. No. Uh, hey, baby, want to sit in my Vega? Well, it was my dad's car, so I hope he wasn't <laughs> out cruising for chicks. <laughs> but he ended up cruising right into a deer, and I remember one time... You know, he was just gun shy. Anything of like kids in the street or anything, he picked me up by my ribs and carried me off the street. He was like, "Listen, you could get hit at any time on the street." Like he flipped out on me, and I, it was because he hit a deer. And he was like, "You know, somebody could be driving down the street in a Vega and not see you." Hit my son. Now we're done with the That's deer. It. Okay. <laughs> on to football. Steelers getting ready for the Tennessee Titans Saturday. Afternoon at Heinz Field. We've heard a lot from the new offensive coordinator, Randy Feekner, today. Thanks to Randy for spending as much time with me yesterday as he did. And if you've been following along at home, uh, you're aware by now that Randy Feekner is expansive in his explanations, much like uh, his work. Uh, he dives in. Uh, he gets uh, way deep in it. He uh, enjoys it. And uh, to that extent, Bill, he's even fired up for Saturday at Heinz Field. Yes, it's a preseason game, but it's a chance for the Steelers to strut their stuff at Heinz Field, and that excites Randy Feekner even in August. Well, there's a lot of uh, um, excitement, anticipation, uh, eagerness. You know, there is, and I mean, I'd say anticipation is great. We've had two preseason games on the road. Always excited to, to be in our home stadium. Uh, it's, um, it's, you say it's not different. I know it's not necessarily mystical, but it is. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to play. It's a place that um, uh, we get to celebrate our brand of football, and our fans get to celebrate it, and, and you couldn't have better fans around the country. The one thing I've learned in 12 years is uh, it's they're with you, and they're with you on the road and at home. So 
obviously the excitement would be to always want to perform very well at home for your for your home you know fans and as well as uh, you know our families and friends and all the workers that work for the Steelers and all the companies that help the Steelers and shoot this is our hometown and we want to be uh, perfect if you will at home shoot this is our hometown I like very it. nice I like it that's the right attitude we want to be perfect we don't want to go out there and suck in front of everybody. No, not the people you know. <laughs> no. If it happens once in a while in Seattle, what the hell? You probably don't know anybody there anyway. You can't crap the bed in your own home. You cannot. Uh, you only crap the bed on the road. Speaking of hometowns, very interesting, uh, the uh, Feekner family history. His dad, uh, Ross, is from McKeesport, but ended up playing for the Cleveland Browns uh, <laughs> as a safety from 1960 to 67. Then he finished his NFL career with the New Orleans Saints. Ross Feekner was a part of Cleveland's 1964 NFL championship team. He was a second-team All-Pro in 1966. Wow. Randy was born in Cleveland. We won't hold that against him. Now he works for the Steelers. The dad was born in McKeesport, played for the Browns. <laughs> the kid was born in Cleveland, works for the Steelers. So, of course, uh, Randy Feekner, he's, he's on the task at hand, but he's also thinking from time to time about September the 9th. Yeah, my first game as a coach for the Steelers was in Cleveland. Um, I remember it. Um, my father was still pretty healthy at that time, and he was there as a guest of uh, alumnus and a, a guest of the Browns. Um, and um, and I can remember that moment. But it took me about uh, one minute to have the pen, uh, two seconds to have the the contract, and I signed it here uh, in this building, and forevermore would have been a Steeler and not a Brown. Uh, but yes, up until that point, I was a Cleveland Brown my whole life, um, and you know, obviously, I was born in Cleveland, and and have history there with my father and and the '64 team and that type of thing. So, um, but it's been all Steelers for 12 years, and um, never looked back, no. and won't. That's an interesting, you know, storyline for Week One because Todd Haley was born here, and now he's the offensive coordinator. For what the are the Browns. odds of that? Right? Is there is there another game? It's hilarious. Where the two opposing offensive on opening weekend, or will there be one this year where the two offensive coordinators are working for the rival team of their hometown? I doubt it. Does Feekner have a kid? Because if he does, yeah. the kid is destined to either play for the Browns or Ravens, maybe be a part of the yeah, the part of that organization. That's going to be fun stuff. Uh, not so much Saturday, but September the ninth in Cleveland, for sure. And that's what we're gearing up for. That's all this game is on Saturday. Just a practice gearing up for Week One. Pirates lost two to one to the Braves. They get swept by Atlanta. They are pitching great, and they are not hitting the ball very often. Off day today. They won't get shut out. That's good news. <laughs> Can't speak to Friday night in Milwaukee. Can't get beat if you don't play. It could happen. Thanks, Mike. Stan Saverin joins us when we come back. We weren't expecting you today, Stan. I thought you were on vacation. Uh, that would be next week. Ah, okay. Well, glad to have you here in the studio. Yeah. No, nice surprise. Good to be here. Yeah. You're, wake up your producer. He's... <laughs> Nah, Joe, Joe's okay. on it. So, all right, Stan Saverin. When we come back, it's the DVE Morning Show. Unexpected, but always appreciated and happy to see Stan Saverin. If I'm not here, it's not Thursday. That's right. You're right. So if if you don't see me, then you say it must be Wednesday or something.
But didn't, you came in on a Tuesday or something a couple of weeks ago, right? Did yeah, because I had something. to just drop by. Yeah, I had something to do on Thursday, yeah, I and I was. What I, was going on that day? But. I think I had a doctor's appointment. There's a shock. Um, <laughs> but whatever was, day it is, it's always good to see you. Steve. No, that <laughs> that's written somewhere. I know you just didn't say that. Out of goodness of your heart. Stan, it's fortuitous that you happened in because Bill and I have been talking about the Pirates this morning, and we both actually think, in the long run, big picture, it's encouraging the way they're pitching. And it sucks in the short term because they can't hit and they're losing. But if they're ever going to be any good again on a contending level, they got to pitch, right? I agree. Uh, I think that uh, it was disappointing because they flirted with the playoffs. Frankly, I never thought that was going to be realistic, even during the 11-game winning streak, because they were going to cool off, and maybe not to this degree. But I honestly think that if you look at what the predictions were by most people – Before the start of the season, I thought they'd win 78. They still might, somewhere in the ballpark. Mm -hmm. That still represents improvement. I actually think that they're a better ball club than I thought they would be. And the real issue is, is that the things that they've done, yeah, they were supposed to help this year, but it really was for next year. And I think going into next year, when you look at, you know, where the Cardinals are and the Cubs, whatever, I mean, I think we'll see what there's some things that have to happen in the offseason. But I, I don't know that I would label them a contender necessarily, but I think that they're in much better shape or will be entering 2019 than they were in 2018. And you have to remember that we all know what happened 2015, and they didn't try to keep it going. But I, I was struck by this. It was really kind of stunning. The Baltimore Orioles and the Kansas City Royals are going neck and neck for the worst record in Major League Baseball. They're both about the same. They're My like, money's on the Orioles. But. Okay. They're like 38 and 80, whatever they are. Three years ago, those two teams played in the ALCS. I know. Now think crazy. about that. What a precipitous drop that is. That goes to show you two things. If you are a small, mar- smaller market team, you better take advantage when you have the opportunity. The Royals did. The Royals went to the World Series two years ago, and it was inevitable. They were going to lose you know, their top players, and most of them are now, now gone. So you, if you've got a shot, you have to go for it. It also shows you that it's very difficult as a smaller market team, no matter what you spend on payroll, to sustain that kind of competitiveness. That, that, that's an amazing drop to me for those two yeah. franchises, which traditionally have been very good. But... Doesn't mean that you can't contend in a small market, and it doesn't excuse nothing. But what it does tell you is A, when you got a shot, you better go for it. And B, this plan they have of, you know, always want to be good every year, doesn't work. No. But speaking of nutting, if he wants to be nutting again next year, which of course he will, right? Let's say the payroll is what it was this year, you're still going to probably lose or get rid of Rodriguez, Nova, Cervelli, and Harrison. All guys making a significant chunk of change by pirate standards so what might they look like if they kind of turn those guys into more serviceable usable better parts which, well I, which they might be able to do they, they, they might be able to do that I, I, frankly i was mentioning on my show yesterday after seeing what the nationals are doing who by the way have a better record than the pirates do there are different circumstances the, the, the nationals were all in this year they've been all in for a number of years now and it's not working for them But I frankly think, and this might have happened because we never know who is placed on waivers and who is not until they're claimed, 
but why not put Jay Hay on waivers? Maybe you get something for him. They're not, now you could trade him in the off season. They have an option on him, but they're they're not going to pay him ten and a half million next year. No. Nor should they. Uh, I would put Mercer on waiver. I would put Cervelli on waivers. And I, by the I, way, my first move toward next year would be get, when you get rid of those guys and clear up some payroll. I would resign Echeverria. I'm with you. I thought that was an understated, underreported, underappreciated yeah. signing. This and how about the display these Braves middle infielders put on the last couple of days? Boy, if you want to build around pitching and you got some guys that can pick it behind them, that, that works. Defense. Well, the thing about it is, if you're going to build around pitching, and that's a pretty good rotation they got, you know, coming back next year, and we'll, you know, see. I would also, frankly, put Nova on waivers just to see because contenders not only want to bolster their pitching staff in trying to make the playoffs, but also want to bolster their staffs if they get into the playoffs. Hey, if you come with Ivan Nova as your number three or number four, that's not a bad thing. You might get something for him, and they've got younger pitchers. Cool yeah. and Keller and that sort of thing. Kingham, Holmes, uh, let those guys get some big league innings the rest of the way. You know, if they're your number five stars, the first four are are, are pretty good. Um, I, I would put those guys on waivers. Um, I look, I like Jordy Mercer. I think he's fine. But Echeverria is also a free agent. Yes. I don't think they're going to come beating down his door. Uh, he's a $6 million guy or something. What's he going to get Now next? he yeah. won't get that, especially the way free agency is going. I don't know what Mercer will get. But the thing about it is, Mike's right. If you're going to build your staff through pitching, which they're doing, and the starting staff looks really good, we know the back end of the bullpen is really solid, you've got to have good interior defense. You know, building a staff with great pitching without good defense is like building a skyscraper at the end. Say, oh, we forgot to put in the foundation. I mean, you got to have good defense. And you know, Jay Hay isn't bad, um, but you know, Mercer I, Mercer's fine, but he doesn't have the range that this kid has. And Echeverria is three years younger. Yeah. Stan, and their hitting a- is com- comparable. It's it's not like you're getting Frank Tavares. Well, right. Ex- you're not like you're getting Miriam and Mendoza. Um, that was Tavares' problem. He could hit, but he couldn't field. Um, I have a friend who used to, he had uh, season tickets behind home plate, and he would always bring with him this placard, and he would hold it up so that Tavares could see, and it just said E6 on, <laughs> on the card. And that was Zivko, my man Zivko. He used to do that all the time. Uh, but they need to improve their, their range and their defense. If they're going to go with Moran at third base and Bell at first base, that's not... You know, terribly encouraging, uh, but I would I would resign Echeverria. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, second base, I mean, I, I like Adam Frazier a lot. I'm not so sure he's a 160 game a year player. I think you have to be careful not to expose him. Stan, who's on your show today? Uh, we're going to talk about the Urban Meyer thing. Um, yeah, that's big news. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's Stan and Guy Day. Guy, I'll join me from one until two. Awesome. Stan Saverin on 970 ESPN and 106.3 FM. Thanks to Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette and Mary Withrow, who joined us early this morning from PART, Pittsburgh Aviation Animal Rescue Team. Uh, They have a big fundraiser coming up this Saturday at the Allegheny County Airport. Cool event, so check out details for that on uh, the morning show page at dbe.com. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Colin Chamberlain, Cam Hayward with us on the show, the mayor, Sean Casey. So I uh, should go off the rails early tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> Dee Snyder, Twisted Sister, going to be on the show as well. Scott Paulson in next for Michelle Michaels. He'll have the electric lunch at noon here on DVE.
I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.